Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of the Fourth and Long podcast. I'm your host, uh, Darren Butler, and I am welcoming back my co-host, Stephen, back from holiday this week. How are you, Stephen? I'm not bad, thanks. I've, uh, I've had a nice time off. Come back ill. Got tonsillitis and a chest infection, so it was touch and go whether I'll be returning this week or not, but I've soldiered through. Um, Excellent. Well, I'm glad you're with us this week. So, Stephen, I understand, obviously, you got the opportunity to watch all of the games last night, so yep. I'll leave the roundup and the, the recap of the scores to you this week. Yep. So, initially, we had the Atlanta Falcons at the Bengals. The Bengals took it in a very close game, 37-36. AJ Green, I think it was about 12 seconds on the clock, caught it in the end zone. It was a brilliant game. I was watching Red Zone because I prefer watching Red Zone than just one game because uh, obviously you see all the highlights so you, you sort of get an understanding of how all of the games have uh, been played. And it was just literally, it was just a slugfest. It was brilliant. As I picked it up, Julio Jones better start scoring touchdowns because there's a rookie called Calvin Ridley who he scored six touchdowns in his first four games in the NFL, which is just ridiculous. So Julio Jones better be careful because in a year or two time when he's sort of going out the door, if he want a good exit at Atlanta, then, well, he needs, he needs to be careful of Ridley being on his back. From the Bengals side... Dalton looks great this season. AJ Green looks incredible. Like I said, he scored the, the winning touchdown in the last seconds. Dalton and their wide receiver bond have a great relationship. And just to end it off with that game is that uh, prayers and well wishes go out to Bengals tight end Tyler Eifert. He unfortunately broke his ankle in a horror injury. He'd already scored a touchdown. And, well, I'm not particularly squeamish, but uh, I almost threw up watching that. Uh, his ankle went in a, a way that an ankle shouldn't go. Let, let's just put it that way. Nasty. Yeah, very nasty. So I hope he um, hope he recovers soon. Not the only um, bone break this week either, is there? It's Earl Thomas broke his yeah, left leg Yeah, Thomas well. broke his leg. I'll get on to that in a second when we go down to the Seahawks-Cardinal game. Next up, we've got the Bears versus the Bucks. I fancied the Bucks in this game. Fitzpatrick, or Fitzmagic as he's been known as now, ripped my Eagles apart. He looked very good in the first two games. Had a bit of a dodgy game against the Steelers, but what can you do against Big Ben with his receiving core? So he came into the match. Jameis Winston was back from his suspension. People were umming and ahhing about whether Fitzpatrick would find himself back on the bench. Well, Khalil Mack did what Khalil Mack's done since he's joined the NFL, and he shredded their O-line. He took Fitzpatrick down. He's taken everything. He was The score was 48-10 in the end. Trubisky threw seven touchdown passes. He broke a record in the Bears. It's the most the Bears quarterback's ever done in history. He was just finding everything. It was incredible. The Bucks defense was atrocious. Uh, in the end, on the th- in the third quarter, uh, Tampa Bay had seen enough. Took Fitzmagic off. Brought Winston on. His first drive, fourth throw back from suspension, throws an interception. It was one of the worst throws I've probably ever seen in the NFL. He, he must have thought that the the Bears defender was actually a, a, a buccaneer wide receiver because he literally threw it perfectly for him just to pick it. The Bears looked very good. I said, and I got laughed at, to be honest, by a lot of my co-writers on Franchise Sports, I said that the Bears would be a, a dark horse for the playoffs this season. Uh, they, look they look really strong. They look they, they look incredibly strong. So uh, three and one for the season so far. Yep. Um, and Trubisky looks to be the driving force behind that. So um, a little uh, stat uh, for for Mitch Trubisky. He actually only had nine touchdown passes in his previous fifteen games, and then he's uh, he's stepped up and thrown six in this in this one game. So. He looks like he's getting into the groove of, uh, of the, the Bears' um, offensive uh, reads now. So he's looking like he's kind of cutting out those inconsistencies and starting yeah. to really go with the flow now. Yep, definitely. Uh, next game was Dallas Cowboys versus Detroit Lions. This one I was very interested in because I think it would have been a very close game, and it was. The Cowboys nicked it right at the, uh, the last second, the three-second field goal, to nick it 26-24. The Lions, to be fair to them, I've been watching them. Obviously, they, they scalped. They got a big scalp against the Patriots the other week. Uh, I'm impressed by them. I was expecting them to be a almost a whipping boys like they have in the relevant season. Obviously, they haven't won many games. I think they're I think they're one and three, are they, or two and two, something around there? Yeah, yeah, one and three, yeah. Yeah, they're one and three. But I've been impressed with them. Golden Tate has been a very, very good wide receiver. He's having a great season. He caught two touchdowns last night, and who knew uh, that giving Ezekiel Elliott the ball to run with ends up winning the game for Dallas. I mean, everyone knew it. We didn't know why they were trying to force it too much down that press stop uh, passing. He doesn't have a receiving core due to injuries, and, well, he didn't particularly have one anyway. 
uh, especially after they got rid of Des Bryant. He didn't. He looked. He looked alright. He, he threw a couple of touchdowns. He threw. I think he threw, threw one touchdown. All the Dallas fans knew that Zeke needs the ball more than what they what they were giving him. They gave it him last night. He had 25 carries, 152 yards, and. I think he received the touchdown or ran it in. I'm not too sure. Can't remember properly. Uh, I think he was saying, yeah, received. Yeah, he receiving uh, one. Yeah, uh, receiving and, touchdown, yeah. And it won him the game. Simple as. Ezekiel Elliott won him the game. It wasn't that press start. And to be perfectly honest with you, this is what I'd take from it. Obviously, I'm an Eagles fan, so this is probably going to be controversial and all this lot. But if I was the Cowboys, if that press start doesn't decide to turn up better than what he's doing right now, I'll be looking for a new quarterback. I really would be. I don't think he's 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 going to be their their franchise guy to take them far uh, in years to come. No, I, I highlighted it in um, uh, last week's show. Uh, Zeke Elliott is kind of like the driving force of the Cowboys at the moment, um, and that game really was the the one to highlight that more than anything else. So, yep. as you said, the guy uh, had 25 carries, 152 yards on the ground. But what's interesting is, and it kind of plays into what you said about them. Uh, about the Cowboys not having a wide receiving core, is uh, Ezekiel Elliott also racked up 88 receiving yards as well, which is the most of any uh, offensive player uh, for the Dallas Cowboys uh, in yesterday's game. So not only did he rack up the most rushing yards, he racked up the most receiving yards as well. It's quite incredible, really. Next up is the Packers versus the Bills. This was an absolute... Well, the Packers shut out the Bills. They won 22-0. I'm impressed by the Packers. They look decent. Their defence... Mm, it's still questionable. Obviously, they've had the controversial calls on Clay Matthews uh, over the past few uh, weeks, but that didn't stop them from turning over the Bills. Uh, the Bills went back to being the Bills. Josh Allen showed his inexperience. He was on the back foot. He was running out of, out of bounds with two defenders after him, and he decides to try and launch it 40 yards into the end zone. It just gets picked with ease. It doesn't get anywhere near. It doesn't get enough power on it or anything. He went 16 and 33, 151 yards. Not very good at all, for, obviously, through two interceptions. I am impressed with Aaron Rodgers. He was my MVP pick uh, before the season. Obviously, he suffered the knee injury that's still ongoing. He's got the knee brace on. But he still looks very good, considering um, the knee injury and how reliant he is on running out of the pocket and working out of the pocket. I was just going to ask, like, what was his movement like last night? Because, like you just described, he's not... Um... A static quarterback. Uh, he, he does like to roll out of the pocket quite often and, and find those guys on the on the deep runs. So it's going to be interesting to see how Aaron Rodgers adapts to not being as mobile whilst he deals with this injury. Definitely, yeah. Uh, no, he's he, to be fair to him, he's very mobile. He got sacked twice last night, which isn't a lot considering. I watched him and their O line still a bit dodgy at the minute. And there was a lot of times where he had to quickly run out of the pocket, but it was exactly like what Rodgers does. He goes out of the pocket and he throws. A 10, 15, 20, 25 yard pass is brilliant. So he went 22 and 40, 298 yards, one touchdown and then one interception. Very good game for the Packers. Obviously, I think everyone expected them to beat Bills. I know the Bills went to the the Vikings and beat them last weekend. But that was just a a one-off for the Bills. I I expected them to go 0-16, to be honest, this season. So... I can't see them getting many more wins on the board for them. No, fair enough. I mean, I think they, uh, going through week four, they have certainly looked um, the weaker of the entire league. Yep. Um, I kind of felt like uh, after the, the win against the Vikings last week that going up against an injured Aaron Rodgers, that maybe they stood a chance. Yep. Definitely didn't see them being shut out the, the, the way that they did. But I think as well, the Packers only scoring 22 against a side that was completely shut out. Yeah, uh, probably shows that the Bills had plenty of opportunities to win, uh, to certainly put a score on the board, if not even make it more of a game than what it was. Definitely, they didn't maul them. Obviously, uh, Rogers only threw for one touchdown, and they got one rushing touchdown, and then the rest of the points came from field goals. It was definitely a, a game that they, if they tried to turn up, they could have easily. Uh, the Bills could have easily come back. Uh, you still need to win games, and to win games when you got a rookie quarterback, you normally go to your your running guys uh, the majority of the time rather than. Trying to get, uh, I mean, 33 throws from Allen in a game, questionable uh, decision, definitely. Yeah, sure. I think he's definitely going to be one of those uh, quarterbacks that develops over a period yep. of three or four years. Um, we might be talking about a completely different uh, player in, in four seasons' time when he's when he's got that experience under his belt. Definitely. Um, whether or not he's still with the Bills um, will remain to be seen because I think he's the type of player that has that potential that they might decide to trade on later on down the line yeah 
Next up is your Colts versus Texans. Oh, this, God. oh this was a fantastic <laughs> game. This made my night, this did. Knowing that I was coming on today and talking about this. Uh, it went into overtime. Um, the Colts brought it back, to be fair to them. They brought it back. They were, we, had, we, we had a great we had a great fourth quarter and and, yeah. and in hindsight when we scored the the last touchdown um, yeah. and we went for the two point conversion which didn't pay off had we just gone for the extra point we would have won the game yeah because the Texans when the Texans came back at us we kept them down to a field goal yeah which I kind of feel like had we trusted the process and we and we trusted um, our ability to keep the Texans at bay. That extra point, yeah, as I say, would have won us the game. We would have not needed overtime to, to settle it. Do you know what? I I, I totally get where uh, Frank Wright was coming from with that call. No. But if you're going to play on fourth down, with only four yards, run the goddamn ball. You've got four yards. Just blast open uh, a hole for Naheem Hines to run through, and he'll get you four yards. That guy's so quick, so rapid, he would have needed half a second. They, they, they've played for the win, basically. They're not happy with a tie, and I can totally understand. And, yeah, it just didn't didn't pay off for us on this occasion. Well, yeah, because you, I mean, you were 21-10 down at uh, half-time, uh, but then you started bringing it back, obviously. You brought it back in the fourth quarter, tied the game up. When you're in your own half in overtime, and you, you, there's still a, a, a decent amount of time on the clock, you could have just took the tie and kept Texans winless for the season. And you went for it. I don't. I really don't understand it, but I've got to admit it was hilarious to watch on Red Zone. I'd rather them risk going for the win than taking a tie and it meaning nothing anyway. A tie doesn't do anything for us against a team in our own division. Potentially a direct threat to you progressing into the postseason. You've you've got to risk everything. I think. But you know, we go again next week and, and we'll see where we go. I want to quickly touch up on the both of the quarterbacks. To be honest, because I like Luck. Uh, I see a lot of people. Uh, claiming he's an elite quarterback. I don't think I've seen it yet from him. He had a very good game yesterday. I don't think he's an elite quarterback yet. I've seen a lot of people comparing him to Wentz. And I think if you put both of them when they're uh, on form at their best, Wentz beats him. And then touching on to Deshaun Watson, he's incredibly overrated from last season. He had 29-42 375 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, but he doesn't look good in A, pressure situations, and B, in and around the red zone. He he just, he looks very nervy when he knows that he has to get a play. Obviously, he ended up pulling it out and getting the field goal in uh, in the dying seconds for the, for the Texans to win the game, but I just, I think everyone went into the, this season expecting a lot from Deshaun Watson, and he hasn't, uh, I didn't expect a lot from him. Uh, and he hasn't offered that at all in the four games that I've watched him play. Yeah, unfortunately uh, for Luck, um, quarterbacks tend to be compared to the shoes that they're filling. Yeah. And unfortunately for Andrew Luck, he's filling Peyton Manning's shoes. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a guy that oversaw the most successful period for the Colts in recent memory. I mean, there was yeah. an eight, nine, ten-year period where the Colts were consistently in the postseason. We won a Super Bowl um, under Manning. And, and so... When Andrew Luck comes in, you know, he's always going to be compared to, to the last man. Whether or not that's where people are, are looking at him and going, well, yeah, maybe he's not an elite quarterback yet, or maybe he's never going to be an elite quarterback because they're comparing him to Peyton Manning. I don't know whether or not it's a case of they are looking at him across the entire league and then going, yeah, he's not really a, an elite quarterback. Yeah, um, I think... If you're doing it across the entire league and you're comparing him to people from the same draft class, um, you know, same amount of experience, I think Luck is definitely up there in the top three or four quarterbacks. Yeah. His, his, his vision, his ability to pick a pass, you know, when he's fit and healthy, he's absolutely unplayable and, and the driving force behind anything that the Colts do. When people compare Luck to Wentz, I can see why people would go went over luck because he's won it got these yeah. he's gone gone on to the big time when luck and i do say when when luck does the same and then you start looking at other quarterbacks from from his draft class do you think you'll start to see him as an elite player next up we had jacksonville jaguars versus the new york jets sam darnold struggling against a very good jaguars defense jaguars took it in the end 31 12 quite comfortably I've got to admit the the jaguars look very 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 good this season considering they have been without Fournette in the last couple of games. So Blake Bortles had to sta- stand up and be counted. And he looks fantastic this season. 
2938, 388 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Fantastic game for the Jags. Darnold, I'm not too worried about him, to be honest. It's his, he's been stuck in into a team that everyone knew weren't going to have a good season. They weren't going to be a very good at all. His O-line isn't particularly helping him. Running backs definitely aren't helping him. Isaiah Crowell got four carries, zero yards. Bilal Powell had eight carries, 26 yards. So he's been let down a lot. I mean, Darnold, 17-34, 167 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. It's an all right game, especially against the Jaguars, I think. Nobody's expecting him to go there and pass over 350 yards. And he did all right against a, a very, very good Jaguars side who I could see going all the way to the to the Super Bowl final this year. Yeah, Jags have really picked up from where they left off last year and um, more so their defensive unit. Um, I think we saw it against the Titans last week. You know, as much of a snooze fest that game was, yeah. ending 9-6, um, it definitely, again, showed what their defensive unit is about, and they, they thoroughly deserve their 3-1 and one record. Definitely. Next up is the, uh, the Patriots-Dolphins. This was a very intriguing game for myself. The Dolphins, obviously, unbeaten, 3-0. Patriots, not a very good start, 1-2 and two before going into the game, but bloody hell did they come against the Dolphins today. 38-7, and seven, the Patriots won it in the end. They shut them out almost to the right at the end. Uh, I mean, Tannehill... Never rated him as a quarterback, proved me why. Uh, he went 11-20, and 20, 100 yards, one interception. And then Osweiler came on, uh, he threw four and five, 35 yards, and got them the touchdown at the end to stop them from shutting them out. Um, but uh, I don't know whether it was a very good, it was a good Patriots performance, or it was just a horrific Dolphins performance on both offense and defense. Their defense was atrocious. I mean, well, you look at you look at you look at uh, Tannehill's um, completion stats. So yeah. he actually only had twenty attempts um, yeah. on the ball. So tell me, you know, someone that, that that watched the game, is this because you know Dolphins are turning over the ball so quickly? Because for they me, tw- twenty attempts doesn't really seem like all that much for a quarterback. And okay, yeah, he only completed eleven times, but that's still a fifty-five percent strike rate. You know, yeah. if you were to um, accentuate that 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 stat over, you know, uh, an average of 35, 40 completions. And then you start talking about Ryan Tannehill having 22 completions. You know, do you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. if you had more attempts on the ball with, with the same sort of strike rate, you might have seen more yards. You might have seen more touchdowns. So what's, what's gone wrong there for the Dolphins? Is it just the O-line collapsing and just turning over the ball too quickly? I can't really say to be honest. I think they're just literally turning the ball over too quickly. They're, I don't think they're trying to to almost rush their offense in picking plays and being really quick about it, not giving the defense any time to set up. But at the same time, they're, they're not setting themselves up on offense. They're, I mean, 100 yards from 11 throws for Tannehill uh, as a starting quarterback isn't particularly the best. Frank Gore had 11 carries, 41 yards. He ended up getting a, a receiving touchdown in the end from Osweiler. But when you have two, two quarterbacks who throws... Tw- we threw 25 balls uh, in total uh, and only completed it together as 135 yards total. I, I just don't understand how they've gone from what they were against the Raiders and previously in the season to what they were against the Patriots. But, I mean, their defence was... It was it was very questionable at times. The secondaries, they were very poor. Um, but Tom Brady, he went 23-35, 274 yards, three touchdown passes, but he also had two interceptions. I mean, Sony Mitchell had a game of his life, the the rookie. Uh, 25 carries, 112 yards, uh, and a touchdown, a rushing touchdown. Uh, James White had a very good, uh, a very good game. He had one uh, rushing touchdown, one receiving touchdown. Uh, I was very, very disappointed in the Dolphins. I thought they, they would go out and at least try and give the Patriots a game, but they just really didn't. Yeah, looking at um, the Patriots' defensive stats, they actually only recorded two sacks. Yeah. Um, throughout the entire game as well. So it doesn't even really come across as, as having a lot of pressure on Tannehill um, to, to throw the ball um, no. overly quick. I'll, I'll have to go back and look at the highlights, but I can't see where the Dolphins have, have gone so horribly wrong. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me on the stats card. Yeah, definitely. I can completely understand that. Next up is a result that hurts me very much. 
Uh, so Titans against my Eagles. We lost in overtime to a field goal, 26-23. We completely choked is, is the only way to describe it. We were 17-3 and three up in the uh, in the third quarter. And then we just we genuinely just choked. Carson went through 33 from 50, 348 yards, two touchdowns. Couldn't have asked any more from him, to be perfectly honest. JJ, to be fair to the bloke, come back into the side. He's got a small fracture in his back. We decided to play today, uh, yesterday. He had 15 carries, 70 yards. Uh, the amount of first downs he got was brilliant. Obviously, went through to Ertz quite a lot. He got 10 receptions, 112 yards. Uh, the big one was Alshon Jeffrey came back. So it's the first time they've linked up since since Wentz was out, injured last season. He had eight receptions, 105 yards, and an, uh, a, t- a touchdown pass. The thing that lost us the game was we were giving up way too many penalties on defence. It's costing us games. Uh, I'm not worried at all. Losing to the Titans isn't the the end of everything because I said before the season the Titans were another dark horse for a decent run in the in the playoffs this season, and it's looking that way. They're three and one. Their defense is is very good, and Mariota's looking very good uh, quarterback. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's quite impressive uh, on Mariota's part as well to to have the game that he did against you guys um, yeah. and to really. Uh, drive that victory or grab that victory out of nothing through his own hard work. Yeah. Uh, when you consider that Mariota is still suffering from that injury. Yeah. Was it against the Dolphins? Yeah. Basically uh, put out, I think it was on his own social media, saying that it was a it was a pain-free injury and a lot of people started speculating about what it was or, or, or what it wasn't. Um, yeah. It's nerve damage um, in, in the, the shoulder and the elbow. So he can't yeah. actually feel his fingers. Yeah, um, and yet he's still gripping the ball and throwing the throwing some of the passes that he's throwing and making some of the plays that he's making. I think it's it's quite incredible, really. So yeah, uh, certainly hats off to Mariota for for playing through that. Definitely. Uh, next up, we have got Cardinals versus Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks nicked it uh, with three seconds to go. They kicked a, a game-winning uh, field goal. They won it twenty to seventeen. It was it was an average game. Wilson had a decent game. Nineteen. From 26, 172 yards, didn't throw a touchdown or interception. Uh, Mike Davis looked very good uh, rushing. He had 21 carries, 101 yards, two touchdowns. One of them, I think it was the first one actually, uh, Russell Wilson ran with him uh, and was his lead blocker, which ended up getting him the, the touchdown himself. So very impressive. It was, it, was, it was a decent game. There's not much really to say about it. Josh Rosen's looking all right as a, as a rookie quarterback. He went 15 and 2780 yards, threw for a touchdown, but he's got to learn that he can't play as badly as he did the first quarter and the third quarter and expect to still win a game. But obviously, he's a rookie, uh, still inexperienced to him, uh, and hopefully, uh, like David Johnson uh, did with his 22 carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Hopefully, he can they can carry on, but I mean, they're over four. It looks like their season's over already. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think uh, Cardinals um, season is, is pretty much done, isn't it? It's, it's uh, yeah. over four. And it's a, it's a great shame because they, 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 you know, still some great players on that side that not more than what, was it two seasons ago? I think they, they were post season and they were yeah. on like a nine or nine or 10 game winning streak. Yeah. In fact, I think they won their first nine games of the season. I think they went 9-0, and didn't they? In, yeah. In, from the beginning of the season. Yeah. So, And it's interesting because a lot of those players are, are still on that side. Like you say, David Johnson obviously had last year out injured and he looks to be coming back into the game now. And, and he's, again, like Ezekiel Elliott for uh, Cowboys, he's kind of like their driving force, really. Definitely. Uh, but, but behind a lot of what they do. So something to, to pick up on in that in that game, obviously, Earl Thomas broke his left leg. Yeah. A bit of a bit of a moment as well as he was yeah, being Yeah, yeah, he flipped his middle finger up at the seal sideline. Yeah, quite funny, to be honest. This has obviously got a lot to do with the contract talks that are ongoing for next season. So signed uh, this season on, on, on a one-year deal. Yep. Uh, $10 million guaranteed, $8 million base salary. Um, obviously, $10 million guaranteed with the with the signing bonus and various other yep. bits and pieces on top. It now looks like he's probably going to be placed on IR. Um, so contract talks... I guess uh, more or less over now between between those two, and yeah, I think he's going yeah. to be a free agent uh, come the end of this season. Yeah, Earl Thomas at, uh, at the Seahawks is over. The Legion of Boom's done, completely done now. Uh, he'll be gone. Um, obviously, they were looking to trade for trade him anyway. Um, that apparently, 
Um, the Steelers were interested in trading um, Bell for for uh, Earl Thomas and a, a second round pick, something around that. Um, that's got out the window now. Obviously, they're not going to trade uh, Bell for uh, for Thomas, thanks to the injury. But yeah, it's Thomas's Seahawks career is over. Uh, he'll end up somewhere. You've got to think it's really going to come down to whether or not he comes back as the same player because yeah. it really all depends on whether or not he can recover uh, or how severe the break is and whether or not he can recover and actually even be the same type of player as he was prior to the injury. So do you know what my, my theory is? That that sort of middle finger up to the to the sidelines as he's being carted off is kind of a, yeah, see you later. That was my last yeah. kind of action for the Seahawks might even be the last action of my career and yeah it's just a, it's a shame that it, it's had to end in, in such a way if that if, if that is the case i can't see anyone unless he, he unless he decides to retire i can't see anyone not picking him up in free agency yeah sure was he 29 now yeah something around there 29 30 obviously i sent him best wishes just like tyler effort moving on it was the absolute slugfest raiders browns what a game i couldn't get over this game it was incredible Baker Mayfield making his first NFL start. It ended up uh, with a very controversial ending. It went to overtime and the Raiders ended up kicking a, a field goal to win it 45-42. Uh, Derek Carr, 35-58, 437 yards, four touchdown passes, two interceptions. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, absolute beast, just like he's known. Uh, 20 carries, 130 yards. He got robbed of a, uh, an early touchdown uh, when they called it for a... Uh, 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 progress stop but you can't be calling it early against Marshall or Lynch he's going to sh- he's going to shake any defender off of him it's simple as that Baker Mayfield looked looked pretty good in his his first start 21 for 41 295 yards two touchdowns he also threw two interceptions he, one of them was a pick six uh, very early on in the game Carlos Hyde looked very good 22 carries 82 yards one touchdown but Nick Chubb is the guy that I'm giving uh, player of the game for that he had three carries 105 yards and two touchdowns. His average rushing was 35 yards. That's incredible. Wow. It's incredible. He, he literally, he got the, he, his first one, I think his first one was a 63 yard and his other one was a, 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 a 40 something yard touchdown. And he just picked the ball up and he just ran and he just went straight through every single defender and into the end zone. It was incredible. I, I can't, actually explain how good this game was i'd leave it to last if you're going to watch the highlights because right near the end there was a car got hit and it was a fumble it was a fumble all day uh, all day every day simple as that but they didn't give it as a fumble they gave it as a sack so the raiders kept the ball uh, and then there was also a respotted issue where they should have respotted the ball um, they looked over the video footage and said that it wasn't a first down when it was i think it was a third or a fourth down browns but they didn't uh, they they respotted the ball uh, that looked very dodgy, and it ended up going into into overtime. Matthew McCrane kicked the the game winning field goal. Do you think that respotting the ball really did cost the Browns the it game? Because I've I've been reading that with, it did with a first yeah with a first down the Browns see the game out. Yeah, it, literally the the clock was in a perfect position where if they had got the first down and wasted the clock down to zero and they would have won the game. Uh, they were eight points off, but didn't give it in them. Turned it, uh, they turned it over, obviously, to the Raiders. Fair play to Derek Carr. He went down the pitch, gave it to, to Jared Cook for the for the touchdown, and then uh, they needed a two-point conversion. Found Jordy Nelson, and he went to overtime. And like I said, my, uh, Matthew McCrane scored the game-winning field goal. I feel sorry for the Browns because they're, they're currently 1-2-1. One, and one. If you're looking at it, they if they had a, if they had a kicker in the first two games, they basically, if, if everything had gone right for them, they'd be unbeaten. They'd actually yeah. be unbeaten in this season, which is crazy. Yeah, and, and this is this is the thing because like you you could, you could do that with any team. You could do that yeah. with literally any team. You, you could look at like you you could look at the Bills, for example. Let's take the, probably the the worst performing team this year. Yeah, uh, you could look at that and go, well, if this went right, or if that went right, or if they did this, or they did that, they could be a four and O team. Yeah, and it would just be completely unrealistic to think that because of the margins that they've lost by has been so huge, like obviously, you know, against the, the Jets and obviously being shut out by the Packers. Yeah. It's, it's completely unrealistic to look at that side and go, yeah, well, if they did something like this or they did that bit differently, they would have been 4-0. Whereas with the Browns, you literally only have to pick one or two moments, not yeah. even whole games, not even whole drives. It is literally a case of they were the fact that Dane Gonzalez couldn't kick on the clutch that they lost 
their first two games. And then Greg Joseph comes in. And yes, Baker Mayfield was absolutely fantastic to drive that Browns team forward. But ultimately, it came down to the fact that they had a clutch kicker in Greg Joseph yep. that saw the game out, won the game for the Browns. They go one and two. And now this game against the Raiders... They go down again in overtime purely for the fact that there was a respotting issue. They should have been given a first down. They were eight points up. They would have seen the game out completely out of their control. That if the referees got it right, they would have been four and oh. Yeah, at the beginning of the season and nobody in in their right mind would have looked at an 0-16 team from last year going going 4-0 and it yeah. just really feels like there's almost everything's kind of conspiring against the Browns at the moment to, to try and sort of keep them down and I really do hope that they can get over that and, and really you know push on and clock up some wins I've got a bet on I've got them down for seven wins this year <laughs> <laughs> Tyrod Taylor was not the problem in those first two games. Browns fans need to understand that, that Tyrod Taylor was not the problem in those first two games. It's as simple as that. It was obviously Zane Gonzalez missing the kicks. And I think Browns fans are getting a bit lost in that. They were calling for Baker to be put on the field, uh, which wouldn't have made any difference in the games. No offence to Baker, but Tyrod did uh, a brilliant job in his first two games. There was a, a roughing of the passer call, and if you thought Clay Matthews was ridiculous calls, this was even more stupid. The, the Raiders defender came in, Baker threw the ball, and because of how fast the Raiders defender was literally sprinting at him, he ran into him, he didn't knock him over, it was just a slight nudge. Baker like jumped up in the air after he got hit. They went over to each other, they fist bumped and walked off. And then the ref threw a flag and said that he roughed the passer. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the rules killed the game, in my opinion, because look at what happened last week with uh, Dolphins' uh, defensive tackle uh, being out for the season doing his ACL because he, he has to adjust to what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I gave, uh, I made my opinion quite clear on, on the new rule in, in the last episode. I do think it's a case of certain players are kind of just playing up to the fact that the rule has changed and they're not willing to adapt and they're making big noises about, you know, it's killing the game. And, and I really don't see it like that at all. I think this is an, a, a, something that, that we will disagree on throughout the season because ultimately the rule or the rule change, I should say, is designed to make games a lot more entertaining. It's designed to allow quarterbacks to complete more passes and therefore we have higher scoring games. And going through week four, you look at the pass completion stats they're a lot higher than they have been. I think the last time the pass completion rate was 65% or more through uh, the first four weeks was going all the way back to like 2001, 2002 now. Previous week it was, you know, 2008 was the, was the, was the highest yeah. um, it had been. So it, it's progressive. It's, it's, it's going to get more and more and more. And I think actually we'll get to sort of like week 10 and the passing completion rate will still be 65, 70%. And we'll look at it and go, it's never been like this in the NFL ever. Like pass completion stats have never been this high through, through the first 10 weeks uh, of the season. And the NFL commission will look at it and go, well, do you know what? The new roughing the passer rule quite clearly works. It's just a case of certain defensive players have to adapt in, in the manner in which they take down their quarterbacks. And it, you know, that's what rules are designed to do. It's designed to change the game. It's designed for players to adapt around and play with. And I'm not saying it's not difficult. And I'm not saying that certain referees won't interpret the rule incorrectly uh, at times, but stick with it. And I do genuinely believe that the change to the roughing the passer rule is only going to make the game more exciting for the fans that are watching it and ultimately it's us that are going to win so next up was the Chargers the 49ers now obviously Jimmy Garoppolo was out for the season after his injury in last week's game so everyone expected the 49ers season to be over unless they traded for something ridiculous I have heard rumours that they're on the phone to my Eagles about the uh, Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles so that should be an interesting development the Chargers ended up taking the game in the end 29-27 close to game didn't expect it to be this close. I didn't expect them to win comfortably because I haven't been impressed with the Chargers at all this season. But Phillips Rivers did have a decent game here. Uh, 25 from 39, 250 yards, three touchdown passes, one interception. Melvin Gordon looked brilliant as a running back. 15 carries, 104 yards. He also got seven receptions, 55 yards and a receiving touchdown. The star of the, the game was uh, CJ Burfard. That guy, the, the amount of pressure that must have been on, on that guy going into the game. And he got 23 from 37, just shy of 300 yards with 298, two touchdowns. He did throw two to interceptions, but 
Uh, what can you expect from a backup quarterback? He put his body on the line near the end to get a first down, got injured, but came came straight back. And Matt Breeder, that's what really impressed me was Matt Breeder. I think going into the game was the the lead yards total uh, runner of the season so far in the NFL. Nine carries for 39, but he got injured early on and had to leave the game uh, and come back late on. And for Burford to step up and almost take a game against the Chargers, if it wasn't for a, a field goal near the end of the game for the Chargers to win it, was incredible. So obviously the 49ers season depends on whether either Burford can carry on this form or whether they, they do trade for Nick Foles or or even bring back Colin Kaepernick, because let's be honest, I think there's a better quarterback out there than Colin Kaepernick uh, at the minute who's available. So we'll see what happens with the 49ers in the quarterback position. On uh, 49ers quarterback issue, I think bringing in someone like Nick Foles works, but is very short-term thinking. You bring someone like Foles in to see this season out, fine. When Garoppolo comes back, you know, as one of the, well, as the highest paid player on the side, you've got to think that then... He comes in and replaces uh, Foles, who then is knocked down to you know back up again. I don't think yeah. that's really something that he's going to want. I think if Foles leaves Philly, it's going to be to a team that sees him as their number one, sees him as their franchise quarterback for the next five, ten years. So I can't see Foles leaving. Colin Kaepernick taking him back off the free agency. Yes, it works. Yes, there's going to be a lot of media attention that comes with it. But again, the, the, the same issue will um, will arise when, when Jimmy Caropolo comes back from the ACL uh, injury. You know, do you bust him back down to, to back up as soon as Garoppolo comes back in? I don't think it, again, from a personal standpoint, I think Kaepernick wants to go somewhere and be the uh, the, the team's number one guy, but the, you know, their, their franchise guy for the next five, ten years, and being busted down to back up again, I don't really think it's going to, it's going to work for him. So the 49ers are in a bit of a sticky situation. They need someone to come in in the short term, but they also need someone that is going to accept that when Garoppolo's back, they're going to be number two. And there's not many people like that in the league that are move around, maybe sticking with what they've got for the for the time being and, and writing this season off might be uh, might be the way to go. I think, to be fair, if they, if they went and got Colin Kaepernick, there's nobody that can turn around and say, that if he has a very good season, the rest of the season, and I don't think, uh, uh, as it's a, a similar injury to Wentz, and um, I don't think he'll be back straight away next season, Jimmy G. Uh, so if he starts off the season well as well for the Niners, Colin Kaepernick, if he did go back, I don't think there's anything stopping the 49ers turning around and going, you know what, let's have Kaepernick for a few years. Yeah, it's interesting. It'd be a fun storyline to, to watch and see how it unfolds. And, and I do hope, you know, either way, whether it's with the 49ers or with someone else, I do hope that Kaepernick ends up with a, with another team pretty soon. On to the next game, it was the Giants versus the Saints. The Saints ended up taking it thanks to an unbelievable performance from Alvin Kamara. They won it in the end 33-18. to 18. The Giants didn't play too badly. Manning went 31-41 and 41 for 255 yards and a touchdown pass. Barkley looked decent. He got 10 carries, 44 yards, one touchdown. Odell Beckham looked very average, especially in the first half. I think there was a, there was a point where he had four receptions for six yards from a guy who wants to be the most paid wide receiver in the league. He needs to start picking up his own load. Sterling Shepard had a very good game, 10 receptions, 77 yards, one touchdown. But like I said, Alvin Kamara, I've, I said this last weekend when Breeze got the five touchdowns, Kamara looked very good as well. That Breeze and Kamara together as a duo were probably the best duo in the league. The only ones close to the Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. At the minute, I think Kamara is the best running back in the league, especially now with Le'Veon Bell who's not playing this season. Uh, Drew Breeze, he didn't have a brilliant night. He went 18 from 32, 217 yards, didn't throw a touchdown or interception. But like I said, Elvin Kamara, what a game. Uh, 19 carries, 134 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he also had five receptions for 47 yards, and he single-handedly won me my fantasy matchup. So, uh, thank you very much, Elvin, especially after the Eagles game. The Giants, like I said in the draft, Barkley looks good. Don't get me wrong, but but he's not a game changer. If they had have gone for, oh, that's a big call. That's he's... a big call. Is it think... not a, not a, not a game changer right now because it's rookie year, or or you don't think he'll be that ever? Uh, it's tough to call. I think. Don't get me wrong; he's a very, very good running back. Probably, one, he'll probably be one of the best in the league in a few seasons' time, unless there's something happens to him. But I think 
with what they needed at that moment in time. They had a, obviously they had a gap in the running back game, and they, I mean, I think Eli's finished as a quarterback. To be perfectly honest with you, he's not going to do anything else notable uh, in his career. He's not going to win another ring. I think he's going to struggle to even get uh, into the into the postseason again in his career. So I think they should have gone with uh, a quarterback sat in behind Manning for a year. And then it all depending on the draft. Obviously, Browns took Baker first, so they could have gone with Darnold. They could have gone with Rosen or Allen. Any three of those, I, I would have gone with Darnold, take him off from your jet, sitting behind Manning for a year and then uh, send him in there with a, a very good receiving call. Because, I mean, Sterling Shepard's a very good receiver. Odell Beckham, on his day, probably the best in the league. Brett Ellison's not a, uh, that bad of a tight end. Uh, so if you had a cent... If he had gone for a quarterback, I think this season wouldn't have been wouldn't have been an improvement on what it's currently been. But later seasons, I think uh, you'll be you'd be seeing a lot more improvement than what you will pick in Saquon. Leading off that chat about the 49ers needing a quarterback, um, I think the Giants are probably in a very similar situation. Um, only they can offer uh, number one status to to whoever they bring in. So yeah. I'm going to try out a uh, potential scenario on yourself now. So uh, Giants offer first round pick for Nick Foles. Do you take it? Perfectly honest with you, I think I would. It, it's it's a tough one because I think the problem is with, with Foles is that he he did so he did he, he he almost performed a miracle for us in those two games. So it when it comes to Eagles fans talking about him, it's very emotional. Um, mm. If he hadn't have done that, if he had of if he had performed well, uh, got us obviously a Super Bowl, and but not won us a Super Bowl, I think it would be a completely different conversation. But for what he did to the Patriots, it's it's really tough because I just don't want him to go. It, it would be upsetting to see him leave, mainly because of, of what he did for us. He wasn't too bad in the first two games, but it's shown what how how better Wentz is. So it it really depends. On, on who else, because obviously you've got the 49ers who are interested as well. So you, you, you've got then the choice. If they both offer you the first round, the first round pick for it, who do you go with with finishing worse? So you've got the higher pick if they did. Yeah, sure. I was, I was just going to say that. Yeah, because you, you, you're, both, you, you're looking at both teams on one and three currently. Neither look like they're probably going to uh, improve uh, throughout the year. So no. um, potentially, you know, you're going to see... 49ers and, and the Giants sort of, you know, pick in first, second, third, probably certainly in the top six, like you would have thought, um, would come have thought so, the draft yeah. next year. So it kind of works for the Giants because first round pick for Nick Foles, they're getting a Super Bowl winning uh, quarterback. They're getting someone tried and tested. They know can throw in clutch situations. Yep. So for them, it's almost like, okay, we're going to give away this first round pick, but actually we're getting a first round quality quarterback that's got years of experience in, in the league. So it's kind of a good trade-off for them. I think it has to be a first round pick if the Giants are going to go in for Foles. Yeah. Um, and I think if they do end up ha- you know, finishing where we think they're going to finish, I think Philadelphia have got to be happy with having you know uh, a top six pick in next year's draft. Yeah, shortly. definitely. You never know with the NFL. <laughs> Yeah, certainly. Again, like I say, storyline that uh, is going to be interesting to follow. Definitely. Uh, and then the late game, it was the Steelers versus the Ravens. The Ravens took it. I'm very surprised that they took it. Uh, they took it 26-14. Uh, Justin Tucker had the game of his life. I think he kicked four four field goals in the fourth quarter, which is <laughs> which is unbelievable. Uh, to end up winning the game. Ben Roethlisberger, he had 27-47, 274 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And then Joe Flacco is 28-42, 363 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so, but looking at the stats, it it seemed like the Ravens definitely deserved to to come out as winners. Uh, there was a lot of rushing from uh, from the Ravens. You had Alex Collins having 11 carries for 42 yards, uh, Javarius Allen for te- uh, 10 carries, 30 yards. Lamar Jackson had a few runouts there. He had four carries for 17 yards. So. By the looks of it, it was a it was a half decent game. Uh, I'm very 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 shocked by how bad the Steelers have been in the start of the season. Uh, I had them versus us in the Super Bowl before the the season started, so that's looking like a absolute posh at the minute. Definitely with the Steelers is 
the storyline with Le'Veon Bell, obviously, that really hasn't helped their situation. It's caused a lot of ruckus in the uh, in the changing room. They've obviously lost uh, arguably the best running back in the league on his day uh, as an offensive weapon. No, it's not been a great start for the Steelers. Um, you said uh, that you were surprised with Baltimore winning the game. I'm not surprised at all. I think the Steelers' uh, form probably should have dictated um, people's decisions in terms of who was going to win this game. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore improved massively last week. Their, their O-line really did give um, Joe Flaco a lot of time to throw. Um, it really feels like uh, looking at stats and, and just running over the game recap now that that was the case yet again. You know, you don't throw 363 yards by fluke, especially for two touchdowns. I think there's a, a lot of work has gone into that um, O-line structure um, and it's really shown across the last two games uh, to improve to 3-1. and one. The Denver Broncos versus Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so we'll only be previewing this game, obviously, because it hasn't happened at the time of recording. I'm looking forward to this game. Um, two informed sides. Broncos haven't been the best in their wins, um, but they've grinded it out. Their defence is fantastic. Uh, Von Miller's looking like Von Miller always does, an absolute animal. Uh, Case Keenum's fitting in pretty decently at the Broncos. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. My God, the start from the Chiefs is unbelievable. Patrick Mahomes, oh my God, that guy, that guy is an absolute animal at the minute. He uh, he looks in- incredibly good at the minute. I can't remember exactly how many touchdowns he's got, but it's it's almost double figures, isn't it, at the minute? Yeah, he's on 13 touchdown passes for the season. That's right, because he beat uh, Peyton Manning's uh, record for most touchdown passes through the first three weeks. <laughs> 14 touchdown passes in three weeks. Yeah, and I mean they weren't even against bad teams. They went up against the Chargers in the first game. That's that, that's a, that's a difficult game for the Chiefs going into the season. Then they've got the Steelers, and I mean the Steelers were were, were very uh, fa- one of the favourites for the uh, for going all the way this year. And he he he, he went up against them and threw six touchdowns. That was crazy. And then he went to the Forty ers last week and and stopped them for three touchdowns. Uh, it's just incredible. It's an incredible start to the season. I hope uh, that he can carry it on and, and continue to, to break records. Because um, I, I always like to see uh, guys do well and, and we always like to see records broke. Yeah, but it, it's looking like a very good game. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what, what happens in that game. I think it's going to be a, a close encounter unless Mahomes does what Mahomes has done in the last three weeks and just absolutely stomps the Broncos. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Uh, again, uh, I like what uh, Broncos have, have been doing um, so far this year. Two and one. Um, a lot of that, is, a lot of the the reasons why they're probably not three and zero and comfortably three and zero are down to inconsistencies from Case Keenum. Yeah. Um, but that's something that's kind of followed him throughout his career. It's you know it affected him quite uh, a lot at. Uh, LA Rams, which actually resulted in um, Jared Goff uh, yeah. taking his position overall. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he can really work these inconsistencies out of his game and, and drive forward with the Broncos uh, for the rest of his career. Definitely. So that uh, that wraps up this week's uh, look at the games. Uh, moving on to the news. Uh, if it's all right with you, Darren, I'll start with some of the trade news that I've been hearing recently. Yeah, go um, for it. Let's have some breaking news on the fourth and long podcast. It is, what it have is. You got? The Steelers are now actively shopping Bell to other teams, and one of them was going to be Seattle for Earl Thomas's second round pick. People were saying, but that looks like it's out. But they reckon the the now most interested is uh, my Philadelphia Eagles. Apparently, they're uh, incredibly interested in trading for Bell. Can you imagine him and Wentz together? If we did end up, I don't know how we're going to end up getting him because obviously there's a lot of cap space still going, but. Him and Wentz together would be a scary duo, especially with how good Le'Veon Bell is, not just as a, uh, a rusher, as a running back, but he's very good as a receiving running back and a, a pass-blocking running back, so he'll fit very well with Wentz. Carrying on with my Eagles, Des Bryant hinted during the week that he was joining an NFL team soon on, on Twitter, so, and then yesterday he, uh, he tweeted saying that he'd been looking at some of the highlights and that Carson Wentz was something else. Now... I'm reading into that that uh, Des, you can you can easily easily experience that first hand that the Eagles make, and imagine if Des Bryant and Le'Veon Bell both join the Eagles before the end of the season. 
it would be great. It would be a great uh, acquisition in terms of their talent, but I've got a really big thing about um, attitude when it comes with with professional athletes, and I don't think uh, Le'Veon Bell has really covered himself in, in in a whole amount of glory throughout this um, saga. So it'll be not. interesting to to see um, when he goes over to a new team, if he goes over to a new team, whether or not that that kind of that follows him and. and unsettles uh, the balance amongst amongst uh, you know, other other dressing rooms apparently as uh, as I was away you've introduced a new a new segment to the show uh, about a certain bet uh, a certain bet of the day so uh, have you got yours yet or uh, do you need some time to research for me looking through the markets um, one particular um, bet jumps out uh, at me in terms of offering great value and, and good interest for, for people that are going to stake this. In the uh, Bengals v. Dolphins game, they've made the, the Dolphins a slight underdog um, in this game, which for me, quite interesting in terms of, OK, the Dolphins had a bit of a bad week this week, but actually they're still 3-1. Uh, and one. Yep. You know, same for same for the Bengals. Bengals are 3-1. and one. Yep. Yeah, so uh, very evenly matched teams in terms of their their early season form, but the, the the what the handicap market is throwing up is some really good value between the two between the two sides. So uh, they've got uh, Miami Dolphins uh, plus four uh, plus four point five and over fifty two point five total match points at ten to three on Sky Bet. Now, the interesting thing with that is that I do think the Dolphins. Uh, will do well to win this game, yeah. but to be given uh, a head start of four and a half points, even if they were to lose the game against the Bengals in a tight contest, uh, the bet's still going to win for you. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to take uh, Miami Dolphins plus 4.5 on the, uh, on the handicap, uh, with the total game points to be over 52.5 in a close contest between two, three and one teams at 10 to three on Skybet. We'll be looking to make it... Uh, Two, two on the bounce for, for better the week as well. Obviously, uh, those that followed last week will, will be uh, rubbing their hands at the five to one that we picked out last week. Uh, so it'd be uh, yeah, it'd be nice to, to get to get a nice run going and, and, and win you guys uh, quite a bit of money throughout the season. I mean, I've got a, I've got a fivefold here for five to one, pretty much. I got the I got the so that's the Saints, Rams, Patriots, Titans, and Packers all to win at five to one. A fivefold acker. That's not bad. I'll have that one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, nice. Like that, sounds good. You've got some really strong uh, teams in that. Um, you know, fivefold, five to one. Yeah, I'd take that. That's not bad. So, thank you very much, everyone, for uh, listening to mine and Stephen's review of week number four in the NFL. We hope you, you enjoyed it, and until next time, see you later. See you guys.